Welcome to Peak to Pit, Allie Peak, TJ Pittinger, moving into, goodness, week four of the regular season, I guess week five if you count week zero over here, but we don't. Uh, so week four of the college football season, TJ, your team is sitting at 3-0, and unranked, but 3-0, and tell me how it feels. Um, well, as another host of this podcast once said, um, preseason and early rankings mean nothing. And sure. so the that only thing that does totally matter true. is the only thing that does matter is winning each week. And, Absolutely. uh, Florida state found a way to do that again. Right. So started yeah. 0 four last year, um, three, no this year. And they're a big, big favorite. We'll talk about VC coming up. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, a really impressive game. It feels good to be undefeated. That that's not something that we've been able to say through three games since twenty um, fifteen. I think was the last time. And um, so yeah, um, kind of against the odds, Florida State went on the road and found a way to win. How? Uh, what, what's your what are your immediate thoughts? We'll talk about the game more in a second. But what are your immediate thoughts on Florida State? Um, okay, so I think that Florida State looks better this season than I expected them to. Um, are you going to drop your Are you going to drop your win total one more game now that they've won another one? Or because remember they beat LSU, you dropped your yeah you dropped your win total by a game after they beat LSU. So I'm wondering how they beat Louisville too if they do it again. No, I'm not. I'm not going to. I still think that FSU has a lot to prove because I feel like they, but they're gritty, right? Okay, so this is a team that has figured out a way to win. I don't know that I think we've seen lots of like beautiful football. But they figured out a way to win, and they're three and zero, so it doesn't really matter, right? I don't. I'll be interested to see how they match up when they get a little bit deeper into the schedule. But Florida State, uh, Florida State's going to win eight or nine ball games, probably. Like they, they, they are good enough. They're putting it together enough, combined with what the rest of what their schedule looks like. Like I, they're going to win eight or nine ball games. They look a lot better than I expected them to look this season. Um, yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. They lost a lot of games close last year. Um, mm -hmm. You know, every game besides the Wake Forest game, they lost really, really close, right? They lost to Florida by three. They lost to Louisville by one score. They lost to Notre Dame in overtime. They had a lead against Clemson with three minutes to go. Um, the games that they lost were, for the most part, close losses. And so the – Biggest thing that I think we were looking at coming into this year was could some of those because they were they were competitive in every game, right? Like sure. they were in almost every game. And it was Most like, could they yeah. take just a small step forward to be not just competitive, but can they find a way to finish? Can they find a way to get over the top? And we talked about this, but I think every position group on the team got slightly better this year with the exception of probably defensive end where you had a guy go in the first round. But if every position group on your team gets better, then you should like in those 50, 50 games, you should be able to put it together and finish yeah. and find a way to win. And they've done that. Right. Right. So they've, got right. Another, they've got a new test this weekend. So it's like, you know, test number one was beat a bad team the way you're supposed to beat a bad team. And they passed that. And then it was go on the road and find a way to beat LSU in their backyard. And they found a way to do that. LSU, Again, I think that was Florida State was somewhat lucky that that happened early in the schedule mm -hmm. because I do think LSU is putting it together more and more. Yeah. They're going to be a good team. But they found a way to go on the road and do that. And then kind of a new test last week, a true road game on a Friday night um, against a team, environment. That, yeah, a team that's beaten you the last two years. Mike Norvell hadn't beaten Louisville at Florida State. Um, and then to, you know, then you add on like the injuries and the other stuff that happened too. That obviously makes it probably even more impressive than just the, the win itself. But right. then now they've got another test, right? They're a 16 and a half point favorite against Boston College. Yeah. They should win this game, even with this uncertainty of, of different injuries and things like that. But what do they look like? Do they do they regress? Do they take a step back? Do they win a close one? I think when it's in conference, it, it doesn't really matter. Like right. just win. Just but, win. I think if, if you do see Florida State come out and get anywhere close to that spread, 14 to 20 points, somewhere in there, I think that shows that they've taken another step in finding a way, you know, I don't I don't so much buy the, you know, um, good teams win, great teams cover. You know, they didn't they didn't write on FSU's national championship, like, but they we didn't cover this many times or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. just 
They just you just win. I mean, I think back to Eric. I, I, I get the season. I mean, the the whole year yeah. I was like, oh, this team's not very good because they only won by yeah. a couple of points, a couple, and then they get to the national championship game and they yeah. wipe the floor with Ohio State. So I don't winning is what matters, right? Matters. It doesn't. Uh, style but, points are for teams that have dropped a few and are begging for a chance to get to. it. Yeah, right. But Florida State and Vegas is telling you Florida State is a lot better than this Boston College team, and so. They need to go out and, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be upset with a three-point win because at the end of the day, you're 4-0. But you want to you want to feel good going into the next couple of weeks, which get progressively tougher. Wake Forest, Clemson, NC State. So, yeah, they they found a way. Um, You know, we can kind of keep rolling on that game, and then we can move over to Florida. But, yeah, um, their best defensive tackle didn't make the trip. Fabian Lovett. Their top cornerback um, didn't didn't play. Played about half the snaps. Um, he's pretty banged up. Omar and Cooper. They lost the backup to Fabian Lovett pretty early. Malcolm Ray and then Jared Verse. They're they're probably the most mm-hmm. dynamic defender. Also went down on offense. The starting left tackle went down. He's been their most consistent offensive lineman. And then if all that wasn't enough, um, Jordan Travis went down. And, and the backup for Florida State, Tate Roadmaker has not really showed any semblance of of being able to put anything together. He was really, really bad against Duquesne. You were and, uh, really, really not pleased at one point yeah, in the game yeah. about him. And, and the, yeah, like the whole crowd. I mean, so I was in Louisville. The, yeah. the, I was in the FSU section, and they were all chanting, like, put in Duffy. And social media did, did not like that Tate was going back in in the second half. I think he was one of six or something to start the game, and one of those was an interception. Um, but, you know – Kid stepped up and made some plays in the second half, and so hats off to him and Norvell for he calling did what a good he game. needed to do. And I think that, yeah. like, I don't know, I I love it's such feel good story, right? When things like that happen, like oh, yeah. obviously you never want a player to go down, you never want your starting quarterback to go down, you know, more than almost anything. But it is really cool when somebody's number is called and they do what they need to do to get the W. Oh, so you know, like you said, it was gritty. I, I think that they would have won by. So my prediction was like 31-21. I think it would have been a little higher scoring than that. But I think they would have probably won by, I don't know, 10 or 11. Like I think Jordan Travis would have been good for like one more touchdown in there. Right. Um, had he been there. But I, I mean, I'll tell you, when he went out and it was pretty clear that he wasn't coming back in, at that point I was just like, any win. Like any right. win. Right, would, figure would, it would out. Mir- like almost just yeah. was, you know. I mean, like if Anthony Richardson went down right now on the road – well, you know, and we'll we'll get to kind of his his issues in, in Florida's problems in a minute. But like, if he was to go down the road, you would not I mean, automatically think that you're going to win that game. Like, you'd be like, uh, oh, no, we'll you would. But honestly, if, if Anthony Richardson goes down, it's even more dramatic than Jordan Travis going down because no. there's literally not a person who's taken a single snap, period, behind him uh, so, right now. But yeah, you definitely don't think a win is coming when your starting quarterback goes down. And they were moving the ball in the first half. They had 28 points in the first or 21 points in the first half. Credit to the defense for stepping up and only allowing 10 in the second half. Um, but yeah, they, they were, you know, the team rallied. They played really gritty. They got stops when they had to. Right. Um, I mean, I, I, I could not have been, yeah, I, I don't, it wasn't the prettiest win. At the end of the day, they still scored about 34 points, 35 points. Still, you know, did what they needed to do. Defense could have been a little bit better, but I do think Louisville only scored touchdowns on like four of 13 possessions. So, you know, it's not great when you give up 30 plus, but they certainly bent, but didn't break there at the end by forcing a field goal. And then, you know, the offense did what they needed to do and just drove right down the field um, for a touchdown, won the game. Special teams needs a lot of work. We missed a couple of field goals that honestly, even had Jordan been in there, we'd have, we'd have won the game by, uh, well, we went by four, so we would have won by ten with the two field goals right. uh, that were both pretty pretty point blank. Um, I think the the second one that was missed was a thirty six yarder. The first one that was missed make those, was a 30, 37 yarder. So yeah. yeah, I thought the team overall played well enough to have a double digit win, even with a starting quarterback like Jordan Travis, who has been. This is not a hot. I don't think this is a hot take. I think you're gonna roll your eyes when you when you hear me say it, but. I, Jordan Travis has been the best quarterback in this state so far this season. And so I, I, to have him go down your most important player, best quarterback in the state so far. 
I, uh, I best would... performing quarterback in the state so far. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, I mean, three, I three games. And I don't even know how you would argue it, but like, yeah, accurate statement. Well, you said I was going to roll my eyes. I mean, best I was expecting you to, I was expecting you to like twist things. it, but yeah, no, he's been really, really good. And so I, I, he has been, he's been very for good to, for them to find a way to win without him was, was impressive. I thought that was, yeah. you know, I, and I expect him to come out and win against, um, Boston College this weekend. I think they've got a great chance if Jordan's back to beat Wake Forest. Who so what's the Wake update Forest. on that? I saw him tweet something a couple of days ago that said something like great news with like prayer hands or, you know, whatever, something like that. And then I saw some people uh, interested in the lineup that was released today. So do they think he is going to be back? Was there ever an announcement on what the injury was outside of, I think, what did they say? Lower leg? Yeah, I mean, I think it was an ankle just mm-hmm. based on, you yeah, know. Yeah, what it looked like. Yeah. And so I, when he tweeted that he was going to be good or like good news or great news, yeah. to me, and I've talked to a couple of other people, I kind of take that as like, it's not the worst case scenario. Sure. But it was still like a bad enough ankle sprain to where he wasn't able to get back in and they wanted to like test it and make sure everything right. was good. And, you know, that was a pretty crucial game, right? Like that was a, a swing game that you really needed to win. So right. I would... I think even with the uncertainty, Vegas making the line as big as they are. I mean, Boston College is, you know, down three starting offensive linemen as well. Like they've they've got their own issues. They've already lost to Rutgers and they squeaked by Maine. Maine played them just as well as anybody for for three quarters. Um, I I would actually leave him out unless he's like 95, unless he's like 90, yeah, 95 I mean- of the way to go. Because I think if in an emergency scenario, you could always bring him in. That's not the best thing to bring him on call off the bench, I guess. Sure. But if it's to win a game or not that you should win. Right, but that you want. with all that, I just think Florida State's so much better than BC. It, it'd be kind of yeah. like, yeah, AR is really, really important. But if he was 50%, you could probably beat Vandy without him, right? Like right. you could just line up and hand the ball off every single time and probably right. beat Vandy. Games anyway. Yeah, so um, that's kind of how I look at this. Like, yeah. if, if I mean, he's unless he's 100%, 90, there's no reason to play him. Yeah, I mean, he's like 95%. I mean, yeah, just go out and get the win, and he'll probably be out by halftime anyway. But right. probably don't. But I think he'll be back. I think I don't know if it'll be for the wake weekend. So you haven't heard what the injury is then? No, I mean, I think it's just a high sprain. Mm-hmm. It would be my guess. I don't – like, they had, they didn't release it. and Yeah. I didn't dig really hard on anything like that. But, I mean, I think everybody just kind of assumes that it's a sprain. Yeah. Uh, they were off today, so we'll see. Um you know, kind of if, if, uh, Monday's a scheduled off day, so we'll right. see if, um, he practices. I, I would doubt it. I, you know, I think they're going to try and get Tay as many reps as possible. Sure. The other thing to that is like, if it's an, you know, we'll, I'll sit here tomorrow and they'll have dropped again to BC, but if it's an easier game, right. Getting Tate a whole bunch of reps with the number ones and letting him get that game experience could really right. pay off later if you need him for, no, well, kind of like the Florida game last year. If you need him for two series or if you need him for, um, you know, any, any kind of time going forward. So I, you know, you, you never like a guy to get hurt certainly, but right. when you have 15 days between games and you have a backup that looks pretty good in the second half, if Tate would have gone out and just absolutely sucked and, and blown the game, then I think they probably would try and rush Jordan back. But right. with everything that's gone on, I think they'll, I think they'll be pretty good against Boston college either way. So, right. Um, Write me down for four and zero. We'll see though. I'm trying we'll to get Cal on my chicken yet. I think that's smart, but no, I mean I think uh, everything you're saying is exactly correct. If he's not Whoa, really again, healthy, my earphones, my earpods just broke out a little bit. Mm, I bet they did. <laughs> <laughs> if he's there, it is not a good enough opponent to risk further injury unnecessarily. So, no. uh, and you're right. You don't really want to get into a scenario where you like need him, so you call him off the bench, but you have that as an option if he's healthy enough, if you really need to need it to be. But I, I, I mean, you should take care of business. Yeah. I think you could probably line up and just yeah. I mean, wake. Uh, sorry. Louisville knew that we were just going to line up and run the ball every single play. Right. And we use that to set up some pretty strategic passing, but right. uh, you know, we, we just didn't have to pass a lot. Right. Like we were yeah, able yeah. to, you know, really just kind of drive down the field and right. run run the ball pretty well. Um, I think we passed the ball something like four 
five, six, you know, you had seven, eight, I don't know, maybe like 10 times or so the second half. So like, it just wasn't, you know, we, right. we just, you know, and, and I think Louisville knew that. I think Louisville knew that they're just going to try and run the ball and, and we just did, you know, right. so, and I think Louisville's defense is better than BC. So, um, I, I don't, it's like, you don't, you know, it never would have asked me before the game or before the season, like, Hey, if you lose your quarterback and you have to go play an ACC team, like will you be worried and you know, I try to take opponents lightly, but man, we'd really have to, I think we'd really have to have a letdown both offensively and defensively um, to, to blow it to BC. So maybe, that's, maybe I'm being, maybe I'm being too cocky, but I don't know. There's a reason it's a three score spread. with Vegas. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, let me give a shout out. We'll talk about the Gators a little bit. I want to shout out my buddy, Greg Brunt. Grunt Insurance from Tallahassee to the Keys. He's got you covered. Um, shout out, Greg. They're opening up like a new office, he was telling me. So they've got a lot of good stuff. 954-589-2204. Whether you need car insurance, boat insurance, motorcycle, home, any kind of auto. If it's got wheels, they'll insure it. Give Greg a call or go to bruntinsurance.com. I would suggest calling. Again, he'll talk football with you. Maybe he'll And he's a, a gator, bit. so that's why I like him. Yeah. I mean, we all have our faults. Uh, but maybe he'll rant a little bit about last week's game. Maybe he'll sell you some lies about this week's upcoming game for UF. But Greg's a great guy. Again, my car, both my cars and my one house. I'm going to say both my houses, but yeah, that's not a real thing. Uh, both of my cars and my one <laughs> you house. You that Elsa house in the living room. So I was going to say, yeah, I'm trying houses. to get rid of that. Would you like that? Can no, I, I have a house at our house. I, we have one on the back porch. We're, well, you have a lot more kids than – well, I guess not anymore. No, I have, you have one a lot more, more girls than I do. You, you have a lot, a lot more, more girls, girls. Than That's true. I have a lot so, more girls. But. I don't know if he can insure your children's playhouses, but give him a call and see if he can do that too. I'm sure he'll take your money. So uh, 954-589-2204. Shout out Greg and the team over at Brunt Insurance. Okay. You guys won this weekend too. Only by one we less did. point. I feel like you're not probably as excited about this win as I am about mine. So, Is that a fair statement? Yeah, that's a fair statement. Uh, Florida beat USF 31-28. I will start by saying this, what I said to you. A win is a win, right? And so I'd rather be 2-1 and one than 1-2. One and two. We're sitting here at 2-1. and one. Um, It was a train wreck um, most of the game. I think that there is a lot of room for improvement. And, you know, we talked about this after Florida lost to Kentucky, but I think that when Florida beat Utah, that a lot of fans, maybe myself included, too, felt like, okay, this team might be ahead of schedule. Maybe we'll do a little bit better than we were predicting. You know, this is actually, I'm pretty sure I came on here and said I was considering giving us one more loss after watching the Utah game. But in general, I think that the attitude was, we looked really good. This is great. This team, Napier has this team ahead of schedule. Um, I don't think this team is ahead of schedule, but that doesn't mean that this team is not on schedule right? Uh, Napier is three games in, 0% chance that I would sit here and say he's not the right fit or anything like that. Gator Twitter is insane this week. I've seen so many people say they're already done with him. That's crazy talk. This is why UF runs off coaches because of that kind of attitude. But there's some real problems, right? And there, unfortunately, there's problems really on all sides of the ball. Um, defensively, Florida looked really good against Kentucky. I definitely think that they played more than well enough for Florida to have beaten Kentucky. That same defense didn't show up on Saturday against USF. You saw flashes of what we saw last year, which is a defense full of guys who didn't know their assignment or knew their assignment, but didn't trust the guy next to them to know their assignment. So tried to kind of play both jobs and it just was a cluster. You linebackers were out of position more than they were in position. Uh, defensive backs got getting burned. Uh, I just, the whole thing was, was not great. There were some good defensive moments. Um, and, I, I, but overall it was a really poor defensive performance for me. Uh, do not really to scheme, but due to players not executing their role in that scheme. And I, I mean, I am not a Todd Grantham apologist by any means, but uh, it makes me think back to last year when we were saying the scheme, the scheme. I, the scheme doesn't matter if your players aren't going to play it, right? If they're not going to do their own job, it almost doesn't really matter what the defensive coaches are calling because the players aren't 
delivering. Um, I have a real issue with a lot of the celebrating that the defense did on the field after, you know, USF's going to run for 12 yards and then you're going to make the tackle and you're going to stand up and flex your muscles. And just uh, that is showboating drives me nuts. Even when you're a really good team showboating is like, just drives me insane when you're not a good team. Beating USF by three points does not warrant showboating. Um, I know TJ, you said to me earlier this week, you're like, yeah, but you didn't have any problem with them, with that video of them celebrating in the locker room last year. Celebrating with your team is different to me than showboating. Showboating an individual accolade, which by the way, you're wrong when you get up and celebrate a tackle where you also gave up the 12 yards prior to, and it's a first down. That is like, read the room guys. Um, but for me, it's very showboating and celebrating are two different things for me. Um, and then we'll move on to the offense. Uh, Anthony Richardson is not a good quarterback right now. He, um, and I think that that's kind of saying that putting that lightly, he is an incredible athlete. He seems like he's a little bit of a head case right now. I wonder if he's banged up or not in the press conference today. The press conference today really was kind of disheartening to me. Um, he now Gator fans that want honesty from their coaches and their players got it today. So for all, all of you people that say you're sick of hearing coach speak, there was no coach speak today. Uh, me personally, I would have preferred to hear some coach speak, but um, Anthony Richardson said that this stuff has been in his head. He said something about how it's really gotten to him that he's one of only a couple quarterbacks in the country to not throw a touchdown pass yet. I forget how the question was worded to him, but it was something to his team. To his, to his well. Sorry. Um, sorry. But in my opinion, so when that question gets asked, right, you know, how does it make you feel to know that you're one of only three guys in the in the country that you know, haven't completed a, a offensive touchdown pass yet or something along those lines. To me, the perfect answer is, look, you guys look at that stuff. I don't look at that stuff as we're winning ball games. That's what I'm concerned about. That is the answer I personally would like to hear. The answer we got is, yeah, it's really been bothering me, but I've been trying not to think about it and trying to move past it or something to, to those that effect. Get off the internet, turn off your TV, that stuff doesn't matter. You should not care if you don't throw a touchdown pass the whole rest of the season if it means your team wins out, right? Like that is not a stat that I love that my starting quarterback is dwelling on right now. But you you do have to love that he gave an honest answer. Um, also, I didn't love that he and Napier both kind of said the same thing in the fact that his play has been limited by the fact that the wide receiver, I mean, excuse me, the quarterback room is very bare. Um, Napier said that, yes, that has affected how they call the games. And, uh, AR said that it's something that he thinks about every play. And he says, you know, they've told me I can't put myself in a position to be hurt. I have to be careful. I can't take head on hits. I've, I can't be Superman. And he said, and so he thinks about that in plays. And this is my thing. I get that you don't want your starting quarterback hurt, right? Nobody wants their starting quarterback hurt. And it becomes more risky when you know that your only backup who has ever thrown a pass in a college game or, or taken a snap, I guess, is currently out with hand surgery. But if your left tackle is banged up, right, are you going to say to your offensive coordinator, listen, only ever run the ball to the to the opposite side because we can't let Jimmy, you know, get any more banged up on the left side because he's hurt. No, you're going to call the game as you call the game. You know, if you if you're backup yeah, if you're taking one of your yeah, if you're taking away one of your best weapons, like what like I think, you know, and I don't even think I don't know. I'm not saying I don't believe the kid, but I mean, I think Napier's got to know better than that too. Like you've got to use yeah, his legs. I just, like I, even, it, it, you, I mean, you know, you had all summer to basically train him of like, okay, here's how you get down. Here's how you get to the sideline. Here's well, how you protect listen, yourself. He, like tonight, he plays a little bit recklessly. I think that that's, I think that's maybe his personality. I mean, we saw him getting hurt doing backflips, you know, <laughs> instead of 
hurt in a football game last year and things like that. I think that might be his personality, but that also may be what gives him his juice and gives him his mojo. And I think that you have crushed his confidence by trying to force him into this pocket passer, which is not what he is because you are so afraid that he might get hurt and you have to go to the backup. But what you're doing isn't successful, right? So I I don't, I honestly would rather let him play balls to the walls and, you know, he's going to win some games like that. And if he does get hurt, are you that much more bad off than you are now, which is, you know, an abysmal passer rating and, and horrible offensive production. Like I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Even though I understand, I think you can say to him, listen, slide instead of get the extra yard. We don't need you going out with a concussion. Don't be an idiot. I mean, he's faster I think than that's, too. You can just run to the side. Yes, but I think there's a difference between saying, hey, don't be completely reckless and saying like, hey, be careful, don't run because you might end up hurt and then what will we do? And I mean, obviously we don't know what's said behind closed doors, but I honestly don't know that I've ever seen a coach and starting quarterback stand in the po- on the podium before and tell us, yeah, we know we've changed our game plan because we're afraid he might get hurt because there's nobody behind him. That's I don't- a weird it's a weird thing to say. I look at I, I looked up real quick while you were talking about that. Jordan Travis has run the ball 14 times this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Richardson has run it 24 times. Jordan yeah. was out the second half, so yeah. uh, and now Jordan has also passed the ball pretty well. Like he's right. he's been pretty good throwing the ball, and so you know, um, so like I get it, but like Jordan also has probably due to being out for a little while also has less passing attempts, right? right. And a similar, well, a similar I mean, number of completions. AR so like, has almost exclusively passed the ball the last two games. Yeah. Um, he ran a lot. Uh, in, in you the, know, in, the yeah, first just, half of Kentucky. And then after that is when like the, the, so like the handcuffs came on. And, you know, I will say in Kentucky, there was a play where it looked like he tweaked his ankle and then, uh, against USF, there was, and it was actually when he was trying to slide, ironically enough, he got up limping and Eric was like, he just banged his ankle trying to slide. And yeah. AR said in his press conference that it was the first time that he'd actually slid instead of run for the extra yardage. But there is some rationale that when you're trying to be too careful, you end up hurt anyway. And I don't know if these injuries and he, he did address them today. And he basically said like when little like nicks and things happen that like he tries to not think about them, but that also it hurts his confidence, which, you know, that's a whole other set of problems for me, honestly, like the frailty that, that seems to exist at the moment. Um, but I just, I just don't get how you can be what he is. Yeah. I, I just, you're just not going to win games. I mean, you'll, you'll beat USF's barely thanks to but, when we didn't but talk barely. about it. And I mean, think like, about Florida could have gonna... beaten Kentucky if they didn't shoot themselves in the foot yeah. for an entire you, game. You can't it's... handcuff your, your greatest weapon, right? No. Like your, your greatest weapon and not even, you don't have to like run him every play, but that no. the threat of his running has to be there. And so like well, chain, you know, putting your hands behind your back and then trying to win a fight is, is tough. Like that's right. really difficult to do. It so, handcuffs him. It handcuffs your entire now, offense. His, I will say his athleticism is what makes him a, a good athlete. I read a good quarterback. Let him use it. So Malik Cunningham at Louisville, yeah. they did not run him at all against Syracuse. And then the first half of the UCF game, they didn't run him at all. And then Scott Satterfield basically said like, okay, my job is on the line, right? Like he's in a very different position than Billy Napier is. He's in his sure, fourth year. Sure. I think with the FSU loss, I think he's two games under 500. And he talked a lot about in this offseason, I'm going to let Malik be that pocket passer. I'm going to get yeah. him that we're going to do this for him for the next level. And that crap wasn't working. They were right. about to go 0-2 to UCF. And he said, okay, you can All run. Right. And yeah, so he ran it. a ton in the second half against UCF, won the game. He ran a, he ran a ton against us and right. nearly won him the game. And so, yeah. you know, Napier's you in a very, let different, these yeah, he's in a very different are. position. Oh, 100%. But if he loses every single close game, we're talking if he loses to Tennessee and then he loses to LSU, who looks like they're getting better, and then he loses to um, uh, Georgia and then he loses to AM and then he loses to Florida State. The fans, he's well, not and here's the matter. thing. But like, they're not, they're not, they're not going to be They're not firing him, but it's it. sure as heck going to make recruiting more difficult. Right. Yeah. And, um, and that's what we talked about earlier in the year. I didn't, I didn't predict this will happen. I, didn't, I still don't think this happens. But, you go six and six, you're not finishing with that top 10 class that everybody thought, right? I think you'll finish top 20, but you're not finishing top 10, and that would be not That'd be a, a hard blow. 
Well, it, I mean, it's essentially what I talked about earlier with Taggart, right? I think that's what happened with Taggart. He had all the recruiting well, momentum. They were in the top 10, and then they came out and crapped the bed during the season. They went five and seven, so a little worse than six and six. But yeah, he went from a top 10 class down into the 20s. Well, right? I am in no way prepared to compare Napier to Taggart. Somebody actually suggested that to me on Twitter this weekend. And I don't, I like Napier's three games in, right? I yeah, think no, it's actually the, I think happening it's here. I, yeah, I, I'm not saying they're the same coach. I think Napier no. brings a whole different level of organization. Yeah. Of, but I think that path. I mean, if you're not seeing that there's a chance that that thing happens the same way with that first recruiting class, I mean, I think there's well, a chance of that right now if they don't I turn mean, it around. I mean, there's a chance. I do like, uh, you know, Napier is, I think, the master of the moment of changing the mood of the moment. And he, you know, like clockwork, get a commitment Sunday morning from a four-star guy that, you know, for the 2024 class that Florida was after, which did kind of, you know, lighten the mood a little bit in the fan base. But uh, let's go back to the game for a second and talk running backs for a little bit. I, for the life of me, I think the biggest, um, the biggest miscue in the whole game is the way we're managing our running backs. Uh, Naquan Wright, uh, Montreal jo uh, Johnson Jr. and Trevor Etienne are Florida's three-headed beast right now. And they're getting pretty equal carries. And listen, I like Wright. I think that he is a leader on this team. I respect that. I respect, I think he's a good player. I think what Johnson and ETN are doing though, are so far ahead of what Wright is doing that I cannot even believe that they're all getting equal carries. Johnson is averaging something crazy, like over seven and a half yards a touch. Um, uh, ETN's not far behind. I think they both bring something a little bit different to the table. Um, I think that Wright has better hands, which is kind of an interesting concept because then why not use him a little bit more, uh, you know, in the passing game because Florida is clearly hurting for uh, ball catchers at this moment. So I think there's a place for him. I just don't think it's necessarily where they're using him. Um, I, I just... I don't know. Johnson not getting 15 carries a game, 20 carries a game seems like a massive miscarriage of justice. Seems like the honestly probably the biggest mistake uh that Napier is making at this moment. I don't understand when things get rough why we don't decide to just okay, we're just going to run run the ball. We're going to run the ball till they figure out how to stop this. USF wasn't stopping it. The running game only ever stopped when Florida chose to, st to stop it, truly. No. Um, and, I mean, USF's not a good running defense at all, so that's not necessary. But that's what I would do. Pound the rock, eat the clock, score the points on the backs of your running backs while AR figures out whatever the heck is going on you know, with him. I don't – somebody tweeted that Will Muschamp would go 11-1 and with this team and they'd have 60 – you know, runs a game. And that's literally exactly what would happen. Will Muschamp would probably go 11 and one with this team and they'd pass three times a game and he'd be okay with it. Um, yeah. I, but I think that, I so it's kind of a big picture thing. So I, I agree and disagree here. So we'll split the difference on this one. Okay. I think the new MO with running backs is to have a stable and yeah. to not, and to not run your running backs into the ground. Right. Like, I just think that that's very much like, that. because of the, because of the shelf life of running backs now in the NFL, right. like if you, it's such a balance. And so to give Napier a little bit of credit or to, to kind of say like, I get what he's doing. It's such a balance because if you run your guys into the absolute ground, like you get so negatively recruited there. Right. Like, and you just, if, if they don't, if they're that, not getting to the next level Johnson fresh, had six carries in this game. Like you can say, Hey, this is my game plan. But the second you're, it's a loss or give that running back some more carries, your running back should be getting more carries. I think I even understand the yeah. concept of spreading so around at the beginning. But then go I, with I who has the hot hand. I get it in theory, and I agree with you. It's just hard. I think it's hard on a coach to not – you also want to show loyalty. I mean, I get it. Like, I, I get, but what I'm saying is, I get both sides. Like, I, I don't do disagree too, with you but there. I, but I, I think mean, that's kind of the new, like, that's just. I think had had Florida gone to their running backs a little bit more against Kentucky, the outcome could have been different. I think that had Florida gone to their running backs a little bit more against USF, this would not have been quite as as scary as it was right there in the end. I mean, and truly, you think about the Utah game, you think about the USF game. This is, I will tell you. These are 
games that team last year probably would not have won, right? For all the things that went wrong, for all the missed assignments, for all the wrong reads, all the whatever, Florida won, right? They figured out a way to pull it out at the very end when we didn't think that this was, they put uh, some you know, going to happen. On that, on that snap that went through the quarterback's legs. Um, Listen, I, I, I do think if, if – so my biggest complaint is – well, Richardson's really bad, right? And then, you know, you've got the coaching stuff with um, with running, you know, how much they're running the ball and not. But the defense is abysmal right now. USF – um, against Howard had 424 yards a- against Florida yeah. without the negative 14 yards from the bad snap. They had 416. Yards. Yeah. So like a 10 in the swamp, right? Nobody gets out of line, all that stuff, right? Packed house. They had less than 10 yards different against Howard. And so, USF just did whatever they want to run the ball. Yeah. And and I think that if USF had any more competence, right, literally to just get a snap off, they were on the 18-yard line and it was second and five, I think they were going to go score there. Like right. whether it be a field goal or touchdown, like it, it didn't seem like Florida was just going to all of a sudden, you know, oh, okay, here's how we stop them, you know, because they'd already right. done so much. So like, you know, I mean – Luck plays into a lot of things. And like you said, Florida found a way to win. Right. Um, you had the bad hold on the field goal too. But just kind of crazy to me that the defense is mm-hmm. is and was as, as bad as they were. They got to stop. They I think they had a pick six, right? Um, they did. Mm-hmm. But just, I mean, that throw, I mean, credit to the UF defender for making a play. I mean, that throw was just. I mean, I just, it was so bad. <laughs> like, yeah. it was so, so bad. Uh, right to the defender. Um, but, yeah, like, I just, I don't know. USF's, or I'm sorry, UF's defense. Like, I, you know, I mean, we could transition into this. But, I mean, like, I feel like, I mean, Tennessee can go and put up 38 points this weekend. And, I mean, I don't think I'd be shocked at all if USF put up I mean, it really depends on which version of Florida's defense shows up. You know, Florida played great against – their defense played great against Kentucky. Their offense gave that game away. The, they lost because of offensive miscues. The defense did what they needed to do there. And honestly, I walked away thinking, like, man, the defense is much improved. Even from week one to week two, I felt like I saw an improvement. I am kind of floored how the wheels fell off from week two to week three against a much lesser opponent, despite what Napier says. I I understand yeah, he's in a position where he needs that. to pat him on the back, but like it's not the same. We know it's not the same. Um, I, I saw a thing that said, and I think this is kind of important to point out too, because I've seen so many people saying like, this is Dan Mullen's fault. He left the cabinet bare. Even if you think he kept the cabinet, left the cabinet bare, which I do think it's, it's important to point out that the class that Florida has right now that everybody's pumped about is about the average of all of Dan Mullen's classes. So will that class get a lot better? Heck yeah, that would be awesome. Would be, we'd be okay with 10 or 11 for this year. I think we, I think Florida would. Right. But I just think it's wild to me that people are like, Oh, they left the cabinet bare. Yes. Napier's class looks so good when literally the rankings are pretty similar, but uh, I read an article that was talking about the talent profile of different teams. And it said that so taking into account signing classes and attrition, Florida has the 12th highest ranked like talent profile in the country. Um, and that takes into account also including guys that transfer in guys that transfer out guys that don't qualify, whatever, all that stuff. USF has the 65th highest ranked talent profile. There is 0% chance that the 12th highest talent profile and the 65th highest talent profile should be three points apart. Yeah. That is, it's a, it's a very, and Florida State fans did the same thing with Taggart, right? For sure. When, when Taggart came in, we um, said, like, oh, man, he's just going to take off. We've got so much talent, blah, blah, blah. And then UF fans did the same thing. Like, they were predicting nine, ten wins, you know? And, right. like, oh, we're going to struggle with Georgia. We might drop one more, but, like, that's it. There's no no chance. I mean, we, we got this. AR's, you know, going to be in New York for the Heisman ceremony. 
um, blah, blah, blah. Like there was none of that talk. But I right. mean, we saw on the show and talked about it. Florida lost a lot of production. And right. you're seeing it at the wide receiver position. I don't even think they're upset that they lost a guy like Copeland or Gamble to UCF. But those guys caught the first and second most touchdowns for UF last year. Right. Like whether you thought they were good guys, bad guys, cancers, right. locker room saints, whatever you thought of them. Sure. May have been worth it to lose them, but lost a lot of production. But you lost there. the production. Right. Also lost some guys in the secondary that that you you know to the draft. I mean to the draft and stuff. You lost pure you lost some good pieces. And so I think that you know, I think it's not super shocking that there's been a lot. I think there are things about this team that are shocking. I think that I don't think I expected AR to look as bad as he has looked through the first mm-hmm. three games. I think at times last year, last two I, games, he, I mean, he looked good against Utah. He, yeah, he, I thought he looked so. Yeah. I thought he, especially on the ground, right? Like I, I mean, yeah. he ran for a ton on the ground and, and did some pretty spectacular things. Um, but yeah, like throwing the ball this year, he's, he's not been spectacular by any means. Right. And I think that they have to figure out a way to do that because like we yeah. talked about, like you always kind of like readjust expectations and like, okay, well, what do you think about this team? So like I, right now, I don't see them beating Tennessee this weekend. We can talk about that game a little bit. I want to continue to see what LSU does, but I thought LSU looked really good defensively and really good against a team that they were an underdog against mm-hmm. in Mississippi State. Um, so I, I, right now, I think I'd have LSU against them. No, Florida goes out and impresses against Tennessee. I mean, that could, right. that could flip. Um, I think A and M is a team that I would still pick in that one. I don't think they're ultra impressive or anything. I think Georgia's a team that I still think is going to win. Mm -hmm. And if Florida state's healthy, I think Florida state wins in Tallahassee. And so like with those games, you're looking at six and six. And if they upset one of them, then you're looking at seven and five. But like, I don't see them beating two of those teams. Now they come out and beat Tennessee. Again, you you go week to week. You're going to change kind of the way you think, but I think they need it, offensively, defensively, they need to take a step forward. I mean, coaching too, play calling and everything else. Yeah, I think all the way around a step forward. But I do think it's important to point out, you know, this is Napier's third game. It, or that this was his third game. I think it's totally okay to criticize the what we see with, you know, with our own eyes, what needs to get better. He knows too. It's none of this is a, um, you know, a condemnation on him as a coach or as a, the direction he has his program in, but it's a rebuild, right? Like everybody talks about how, you know, they think the program is so decimated and then they're shocked when this is the outcome for the first three games. I'm surprised Florida looked as bad as they did against USF. I thought they looked worse against USF than they looked against Kentucky. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. All of these games are at home. So it's a friendly crowd. When you go on the road, it's a totally different environment, especially in the SEC. The stadiums are loud and wild and everybody hates you. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of these guys are kind of in for an eye-opening experience, but I don't, this doesn't do anything for me one way or the other for the long-term projections of Billy Napier's success or failure at UF. I don't, I don't. And so I do think that, you know, for as upset as some Gator fans might be, that's okay. Like you can want your team to be better than they are, but I also think you just have to be careful to not, you know, write off a guy three games in. Yeah, no, I, I think I will say the kind of the caveat to that is, most coaches that have not had a really good um, bump class, so their mm-hmm. first full recruiting class, like if you don't right. have a bump class in the top five to ten, like no one's ever won a national title. But that right. doesn't mean that he couldn't turn things around and be the guy that leads to that, right? Like to get get things right. back on the right track. It also doesn't mean that he couldn't be the first to do it. Like, well, you know, I'm honestly so- not that concerned about recruiting right now. The the it's. It is still going the direction we want it to go. It actually got even a little bit better on Sunday after the loss. So that's kind of secondary to me. I think he is a really good recruiter. I think he has an incredible staff behind him that is helping to make sure that's going. And honestly, if I'm a recruit right now, what I'm seeing is immediate playing time. There are a lot of needs that you could fill immediately if you come to the University of Florida. And I think that Billy will be good at selling that. But that's just not really even a bridge I'm ready to cross just yet, right? We could talk about that in November, and that's going to be much more of a reality one way or the other. But that's, uh, you know, seeing improvement week to week, um, guys knowing their assignments, 
making the right passes, making the right reads, running the right routes, getting the, you know, in the right gap. Those are all things that I'm looking to see improve as we, we go on. But I'll tell you what, this team is bought in and this team doesn't quit. I said it earlier in the show, but this team loses that game against Utah and that game against USF if it happens last season. And so that by itself is a step in the right direction. What do you think about this Tennessee game coming, coming this week? Um, Cause so you, you mentioned it again. You, yeah. You mentioned it just the fact that he, you know, he and the, you know, I mean, Anthony Richardson and just seems to kind of be getting rattled at home. So, Neyland stadium is not an easy place to play, right? It is an intimidating stadium. If you haven't ever been there, it's right off uh, the river in Knoxville. So it does get super windy in there too. Built straight up, very similarly to the swamp. When uh, they give tickets to away team families, I kid you not, my back has been up against the chain link fence on the very top. They give the families the only section that I never goes out of the sun for a 330 kick game. Um, it is, it is an intimidating place to play. Um, AR has never is not going to have played in a game you know, in this stadium before. So this is going to be a new experience for him. Um, It's going to be an experience for Billy Napier. Obviously he's been there on Alabama staff, but he hasn't been there as a head coach. It's, um, it's a tough environment. I do worry because if you're rattled at home and truly when he got rattled in both games, Florida was up. So it's, it's honestly like, it's very hard to explain uh, or, or to like understand from the outside looking in how this is happening, which is also what makes me think like, okay, does it happen when he tweaks an injury? Does it ha- like, what is the root cause of this? Because there's got to be something that we don't realize because it doesn't make a lot of sense to all of a sudden get rattled when you're up by two touchdowns at home. Um, but that has happened now two weeks in a row. So uh, it is not going to be any friendlier in Knoxville. It's going to be a whole lot worse. And I, you know, maybe he feels less pressure at an away game. Uh, it, clearly it would be hard for him to feel more pressure than he does at home. So I don't know. Um, I think that Tennessee wins this game. Um, I think that they've looked really good and I think that they've gotten progressively better, or at least that's what it appears in the you know bits of games that I've gotten to watch from them. I know that their fan base thinks that they're winning the Super Bowl this, uh, this weekend. So if Tennessee can't beat Florida, they're probably never beating us again because, uh, <laughs> This this is the time. They are, you know, prime for a Florida win. If um, you know, David Waters wrote a really really good piece this week that broke down Florida's game um, entirely on offense and defense. But he did talk about like maybe this will be a galvanizing moment. And he did say like there's no stats to point to that being the case or whatever. But maybe all of the units played poorly enough that it's gut check time, and they will they will play better than they have been. I think if this team, if Florida plays like they did against Utah, this is a ball game. This is a coin flip game that we talked about and thought that it would be at the very beginning of of the season. Um, if Florida plays like they've played either of the last two weeks, they will lose and they will probably lose by double digits. Spectacularly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's really hard to predict because this team is not predictable at the moment. What I think has happened with Florida is uh, you, you talked about needing to see them kind of turn it around, but in my opinion, they have gotten progressively worse in all three games, right? Started out pretty good against Utah, little fluster against Kentucky got worse again against a, a, a pretty bad team in, in USF. Um, so, yeah, they can't have that happen again. If they do, they lose by 30. Like so I think the offense got progressively worse. I think the defense got better from week one to week two and then totally fell off the worse. cliff this yeah. week. So just as yeah. a team, I think they got you know, yeah. worse altogether. So, right. yeah, Florida needs to Florida needs to turn that around and, and yeah. figure out a way to do that. ESPN right now gives – Tennessee, an 87.4% chance of winning this game. Um, you know, just based on what we've seen, I might have that at 80, like one, you know, one out of every five right now, just based on what we've right. seen out of both teams. I don't think I'd have it one out of every four, but yeah. you know, even that 75 to 80%. But yeah, I, I think Tennessee wins this. I do think they win it 
by the spread. Like I think they win it probably going away. Yeah. I think Florida could stay in it if the def- you know, if all facets of the game get better. Yeah. Coaching gets better, if um defense gets better, plays like they, you know, can stop a three star running back from, you know, I mean that's the thing. Like Tennessee's talent level is so much better than USF. So it's like if they if they don't improve defensively, then Tennessee will run for 500 yards. And if they don't improve coaching, then you'll put AR in bad positions. And if you, if they don't improve, you know, at the quarterback position, then they won't score enough to matter. Or, you know, if they don't make the right call. So I don't know. I just, to me, it's, it's, it's unlikely that Tennessee would, I'm sorry, that Florida would improve enough in all three positions in, in a week's time Mm -hmm. to win the game. But I think if they could get better in one or two of those places, they could kind of keep it close. And then if it's close, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I don't really see a way that they go into Knoxville and beat Tennessee again, even, you know, all of this considered, um, all of, all of that said, we didn't really consider like the mental aspect of, of AR's game and stuff like that. I mean, that's part of that weighs into everything, every prediction that I make. I don't think that, he's mentally tough right now. I don't really, I mean, that's harder to fix than anything physical. Right. And I don't know how you go about that. I don't know what pieces we're missing, you know, for that, but it definitely doesn't make the outcome um, easy to predict in Florida's favor. For sure. Um, but Florida has game day yet again. They're the low. I, mean, low I think Tennessee has when game you day. can, uh, I think well, Tennessee. you know who the guest picker is? Tennessee has game day. Who is that? Steve Spurrier, guest picker on game day. Oh, famed uh, South Carolina head coach. Um, Steve Spurrier. Tennessee native um, and University of Florida coach, but he is the guest picker. UF uh, Tennessee game day, which I think they've had they've had game day for this game, you know, several times. Uh, it is uh, not my favorite way to be on game day, but we'll take it. Um, I'm getting older. I don't. I'm not really a game day person. In oh, person. I'm a game day person too. Like I'll, you know I'll swing by. I'll swing by there and see it. But I just, I just can't. I. It's a. Oh, long I don't day. go to it. I just. Oh, that's what I'm it. saying. Like on TV, oh. it's fine. No, in person, oh. like I'll no, swing by and see it quickly. No, no. But I just can't do it anymore. Just, no, I. Just, I in college, day. we used to go and hold signs sometimes. Sure, but that's yeah. no. But I like yeah. watching it, and I don't know if you caught last week, but you know Lee Corso struggles on that show you know to reiterate or get his words out tell us what he's thinking in a way that everybody understands but kurt herbstreet is literally i saw somebody call him america's grandson and that is exactly what he is like he knows what lee is trying to say but he doesn't correct him he doesn't like he helps pull it out of him and helps him get across the message he's trying to get across in like the sweetest, most respectful way. And it, it like, it reminds me of my own grandfather and it just like, I got a soft spot for it. It is the sweetest part of that show right now. Um, but yeah, yeah, game day, UFUT. Falls by 30. Do you think Florida state beats Boston college too? Yes, I do. I think Florida state beats Boston college. I don't think it's close. Hopefully not. I need less stress. That LSU game, (laughs) that Louisville game. Um, maybe because I'm not there, it'll be less stressful. Um, all right, let's talk about it was some stressful games. for me, and I didn't even care. Yeah, no, it was. It was I will say, thank God, my birthday weekend was was really stressful because of the UF game. But thank God, Miami did me a favor and Miami blew it. That was good. Texas a That was a nice way to end the night. Spending all that nil money for field goals only. So shout out, right? to, shout out to those people. All right, um, I had a good week picking the games last week. You not so much. No, no I you were not. average. So. Uh, we both got a point for FSU covering the spread. Um, we both got a point for Liberty covering the spread. Heartbreaker there. They they mm-hmm. had a chance to have the They did. I like the call to go for it. I didn't like the call that they picked to do it. Uh, we both got UGA. Um, I got Oregon. We blew out BYU. Um, I got Penn State. You picked mm-hmm. Auburn. Um, I got LSU. You took Mississippi State. And I took USF. And then the only one that you did get that I didn't was you did take Texas A and M to cover, mm-hmm. um, and I took Miami. So yeah. I went seven and I went seven and one on the week. You went four and four. I'm fourteen and six. You're eleven and nine. So three games back. You need to you need to make a little comeback here. But all right, 
You're not out yet. Uh, Thursday night, West Virginia is a two and a half point favorite at Virginia Tech. Man, I I think I like West Virginia here. I like West Virginia. My rule is to anytime a team is a, a three point or less underdog at home, you should take them at home. Mm-hmm. But I just I just don't have any confidence in Virginia Tech. So Clemson's a seven and a half point favorite at Wake Forest. This game is going to be so interesting because Clemson's defense is really 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 good, but Wake's offense is really good, and so. I think this game could be sneaky fun, but I like that seven and a half is what kind of worries me, but I still like Clemson here. I like Clemson. I could see a scenario where Wake does cover this, keeps it close, but Clemson like isn't going to lose. Right. I don't know. That's tough. Seven and a half is really tough there. Auburn is a seven point favorite versus Missouri. I like Auburn in this one. I'll take Missouri. Just be different there. Okay. You should stop doing that because that's what cost you last week. Um, I well, like, if we all have the same, then I'm never catching up either. So That's true. That's true. I'll let you go first here. Tennessee's an 11-point favorite against UF. Tennessee. Oh, my goodness. All right, same. I can't believe that. Oh, this last the best moment in four seasons. Uh, Texas A&M is a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Arkansas. You can go first here, too. Uh, give me Arkansas. Yeah, I like the same thing there. Um, I was thinking maybe you'd go with Texas A&M, but um, I do think they found some of Max Johnson, you know, to be a little bit better, but they still didn't look great. And I, I don't know why Arkansas is not a favorite there. I get that it's at A&M, but that's a weird one to me. USC is a six and a half point favorite at Oregon State. I like Southern Cal. I like Southern Cal too. Sorry. Okay. You're allowed to pick with me. You probably get more right if you do. You, it's a long season. USF is a 13 and a half point underdog. Man, this is the, uh, let's back up just a little bit. This is the transitive property game to end all transitive property games. Okay. USF is a 13 and a half point underdog at Louisville. So both of our opponents from last week face off with each other. Um, I like Louisville to cover this. Um, I'm going to go with USF. I think USF, yeah, I don't think that happens. But I think USF gave every single amount of everything they had and got up really, really high to play UF. And I think they have a letdown and get blown out okay. this weekend. So we'll see. Florida State's a 16 and a half point favorite against Boston College. I do not like how big that spread is. But I mean, I'll take the Knowles here just because I'm, you know, I'm not you. I'm not going to bet against my team. But that spread just seems so high. So I, give me the Knowles, but. Yeah. Uh, they're gonna win by three. yeah they're gonna win by three or 35 so okay. you know that's that's the way that one's going down well i'll take bc okay cool so, i don't think bc wins but that is a big spread yeah i didn't love that spread when it came out so we'll see um all right anything else before we get out of here uh georgia's winning the national championship i just want to make, continue to make sure that we they look that like an week. nfl team right now i just can't yeah. wait till they their georgia game um yeah, I can't wait till you guys play Georgia. I can't wait till that game. Um, they came out this week and just absolutely. Um, by the way, ESPN gives you guys a 5.2% chance to beat Georgia. They play, and here's the thing you guys' schedule is tough. Yeah. Their schedule is not very tough. No, it's not. Like, at they all. play Kent State this weekend. I mean, and to give Georgia some credit, like Oregon looks really good against BYU, and they did beat Oregon 49 to 3. So, yeah. They, they get a little credit for that. but And they're going to have to beat Alabama or something. like that. I did like see that. Oregon fans saying that if they played Georgia in week three instead of week one, that they would have had a chance. And it's like you literally didn't watch that game at all, did you? Maybe a chance to keep it within 25, but right. not a chance to win. Like, yeah, I mean, I do think there is some – just like I think Florida State kind of got lucky playing LSU week, week mm-hmm. one, not week eight. Yeah, but that's also assuming that Georgia's not going to get better as they go along, which I think is the wrong assumption on Oregon's part there. Yeah, I just think it's tough with a new, like a brand new staff, new coach, all that stuff. So they play Kent State this weekend. Obviously, they win that. Then they play Missouri and Auburn and Vandy. Maybe Auburn, but that game's in in Athens. So, like, I don't see Auburn winning that. That game is just usually close because it's a, you know, a bitter one. And they're undefeated going into Jacksonville. Again, I don't really see a way that Florida beats them. The Tennessee game could be really fun. But, again, that's at home. Depends on how play. that team plays. That, they, you know. they get to play Tennessee at home. Yeah. And then they go to Mississippi State, to Kentucky. The Kentucky one could, again, be interesting. But 
I don't, I'm, not, I'm not picking Kentucky in that game. And even if Kentucky does win, Georgia's going to go to the ACC going. championship. Right. And we'll see what they do against Saban and, and them, who I assume comes out of that side. But, mm-hmm. you know, Arkansas could could maybe argue for that one. So, yeah, I, I mean, obviously they're going to have to win three really tough games to end the year in, in yeah. Atlanta and then two in the playoff. But it looks like it's them. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Anything else before we go? I think that's about it. Well, uh, this week's going to tell us some more. It definitely will. Go Vols and go Knolls. See you guys next week. Go (laughs) Gators.